Before we start this podcast, we would like to take the opportunity to mention that we now have a Patreon page where you can help to support, evolve and continue these compassionate conversations. Please visit patreon.com slash voce dialogues for more information. Welcome everyone to the Voce Dialogues, Voices of Compassionate Evolution. I'm Chloe Goodchild, founder of The Naked Voice, and this is our new online community where we are exploring, deepening, and evolving our awareness of the transforming power of compassion. Enjoy these new dialogues with a wide range of artists, musicians, writers, and philosophers, social entrepreneurs, and sacred activists. They are all visionaries, transforming lives through the art of conscious creative expression with practices inspired by their own unique life experience. The Voce Dialogues are dedicated to the compassionate evolution of life on Earth. Well, greetings, everyone, and I am just so, so happy to be in conversation today with Ed Shapiro. Ed, big welcome to you. It's just so wonderful to have a chance to talk to someone who I love and respect for so long. Oh, we've been, we're old friends, aren't we? We go back a long way. Yeah, well, don't tell many people how long. If you haven't heard of Ed before, you're about to absolutely discover that this is a very, very remarkable human being. Ed and his wife, Deb, are best-selling authors of 20 books on mindfulness, meditation, and the body-mind relationship, including The Art of Mindful Relaxation, Your Body Speaks Your Mind, and their latest book, The Unexpected Power of Mindfulness and Meditation. And as I understand it, His Holiness the Dalai Lama has actually really flagged up this book. If you want to know about meditation, this is the book for you. Well, I guess the Dalai Lama has good taste. (laughs) So just to, to add a bit more about you, Ed, that you were a New York City dance champion. You were born in the Bronx and you became a yogi, a skier, a skydiver and a bungee jumper. How about that, everyone? Ed trained in New York with Swami Sachidananda and later in India, where he became Swami Brahmananda. You might want to tell us more about that in a minute. And Ed and Deb have been teaching mindful relaxation and meditation together for 30 years. They lead mindfulness and meditation retreats and personal development workshops worldwide. They're corporate consultants and personal coaches working with CEOs and senior management for relaxation and meditation info, blogs, books, and downloads. All you have to do to find out even more is to go to Ed's website, edanddebshapiro.com. So Ed, let's get into the conversation Tell us, what is your understanding of compassion and how has it shown up in your life? You know, essentially, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's, it's very confusing. What happens is, like what happened to me, is that I, I'm, a, I'm a hippie by uh, the fact that in 1960, I was part of the love generation, mm. the flower children, the people who suddenly woke up, whether they... Uh, wanted or not, they started inkling 
love. Mm. A time of love, you are feeling this love and people will meet each other. It's love. And quite often we were taking LSD. We had people like Ram Das, who was also Richard Alpert and Tim Leary, who had experimented with this in college and stuff as professors. So there was a thing happening within that period. And I happened at the time, I had just won the New York City Dance Championships, hanging out at Studio 54. And the next thing, I take acid and I'm on my way to India to find out where the love comes from. Amazing. The compassion you're talking about is very interesting because of course we should have compassion mm. and love and all those feelings. Mm. But what meditation, mindfulness, yoga nidra, what all these things that we're all doing, the, the sound, the beautiful sound that you make, the most beautiful sound, all of us learn that by coming into our hearts, coming deeper than ourselves, that the love is inside of us. We don't have to go very far. Mm. It's not out there. Because anything out there, anything you get, you can lose. Right. But when you have something innate, you can't lose it. And that is the compassion that you wind up having for yourself and for others. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Were you inspired by Ramdas primarily? Or were there earlier inspirations for your... Well, actually, Ramdas was inspired by me. <laughs> uh, I was Swami in 1969 when I was at his father's place in New Hampshire. Uh-huh. And I to have lived, been living in Princeton, New Jersey with the sound uh, master who was working with Ravi Shankar. He played the tambora. Hmm. And I was living in his house and I was at Ramdas's and I was sitting with Ramdas and I needed to go back where I was staying. And Ramdas said, please don't leave. I can learn so much from you. Hmm. And the biggest sadness of my life was that I didn't stay. <laughs> wow. I love Ram Dass so much. It doesn't matter. Everybody's a teacher. Swami Satyadananda once said when we were interviewing him, and he's known as the Woodstock Guru, he had a fan. It was a hot day. We're interviewing him. There's a fan. And he looks at us and says, that fan is my guru. <laughs> Say more about that. Well, it's just that, it's just that everything is there for us. Yeah. We learn from everything. Everything serves us and we serve it. Yes. That, yes. that moment, that fan is giving us a cool breeze when we could have been very, very sweaty and hot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only a guru gives you the good things like that. It's important on different levels because in a way, guru means teacher. On another level, guru is the remover of darkness, the remover of ignorance. Mm-hmm. So it's the remover of ignorance, the fact that we get caught up in our minds and our habits and our emotions, mm. that we miss the real treasure that is in us. I love that compassion. Wow. So you danced your way. You danced your way into the source. <laughs> the source of this understanding. So did, had Ramdas already gone to India? How did that all work? Yes. When we were at his place, believe it or not, the, night I, the day I arrived, they were doing 24-hour chanting, Ram. Mm. Ram Sita Ram, Ram Sita Ram, Jay Sita Ram, Jay Jay Hanuman, Sri Guru Ram Ananda Bhagavan. Mm. And so they did it for 24 hours, and I arrived in that blessed moment. Mm. And they were both students of Neem Krovi Baba, who's Ram Das's teacher. Yes. So, uh, it was beautiful. 
So that intensity of practice was really, really strong at that time, wasn't it? And it was coming through, obviously coming through the sung sound, but also there was a whole other protocol of meditation and sitting and silence. And we were, we were drunk for, we were, we were like in a desert looking to drink mm. uh, a river. I mean, we knew something was there. And then when the great teachers arrived from the Maharishi, from Dalai Lama, mm-hmm. various teachers, wonderful teachers, was showing us that our real happiness, our all wisdom, mm. compassion is inside, which I think is funny. It's sort of like the humor of it all. It's like if God wasn't joking with, with, uh, with life, then why did he create a mango where the pit is bigger than the fruit that's <laughs> in the world? I love it. I absolutely why, love it. Why did, he, why did he take Adam to the tree? And he says, you see those apples? Don't eat it. I mean, the gods should be giving them a whole barrel of, mm. barrel of apples. <laughs> mm, absolutely. So the humorous side of it is that to say, the word Deb and I say is not to take ourselves lightly. It's <laughs> what a white angels fly. Because <laughs> they take themselves lightly. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. What a rich and wild and crazy life. And, you know, it's like, what? What force was it that really just just compelled you to take that trip? LSD trip or whether it was the trip to India, whether it was this uh, opening to masters and Eastern lineages and all of that. Amazing question. You want to know why? Because mm. I didn't do any of it. Mm. It was sort of like happening to me. Mm-hmm. It was big for me to think. Right. It was too big for me to even understand, especially. See, when I was doing it in the 60s, there was no one else doing it. Mm-hmm. I couldn't look around and say, oh, isn't that a nice color orange? I think I'm going to be a swami. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do things like that because there was no one else in 1967, 68 that was necessarily going to India that I knew and training with. Most of Europeans, a few, but Americans at that time were just tasting it. So to be with a real uh, genuine yogi, to be with a teacher was a blessed thing. And I didn't know anything except I was led in that direction. It's mm-hmm. like when I went bungee jumping. Mm-hmm. I'm in Greece with Deb. Mm-hmm. And suddenly we get to a beach mm-hmm. and they're bungee jumping. And I said, oh, Deb, I can't go. Mm-hmm. I just ate. And the next thing I know is I'm walking over and paying for it. And the next thing I'm jumping. And I could almost say, I didn't do that. <laughs> It was clearly, I mean, I just like, I'd love to know what you look and sounded like as a kid, because I could, you clearly your programming, you came in with a really dynamic programming that just wanted to dance. And, and you want to know, sweetheart? Tell me. You are brilliant. I was such a scary cat that when I was in college, I went on the ski slope and I fell on the first mogul, the first bump, and they had to carry me off. And then I went to India, trained in yoga, and I can jump off of any mountain if I want to. I can bungee wow. jump, I can skydive, all through yoga, all through meditation, keeping the mind steady, entering into fear and saying hello. Right. So it's almost as if bungee jumping is a metaphor for the shift from thinking it's you are the doer making the effort to effortless action. It's also a sense of, of fear. I have this if I don't face it, it'll all, it'll hang around too long. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If it's reasonable, you have to have it reasonable. You don't want to do something that's not necessarily uh, sane. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, just jump out of an airplane, it's tandems. Mm-hmm. You know, you do things with intelligence, but at the same time, it chases your mind because, you know, you say meditation, you say mindfulness. Mm. If your mind drifts, you say bring it back to your breathing, and that's meditation. Mm-hmm. But if you're skiing down a mountain and your mind drifts, you're going to hit a tree. But essentially, you have to be really, really alert when you're skiing down a mountain. So that's another form of meditation. All of life, as Robert Thurman, who wrote the Forward to Our Book, said, everything is meditation. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Just speak a bit more about that because, you know, it's all very well. Here we are. Prince Charles has just told us over here in the UK, he's just put out this extraordinary article in the Times, which which says, we're looking back now at the good old days when we said we've got 12 years left for humanity on the planet. But actually, Prince Charles is now saying, imagine you've only got 18 months left. If you were wanting to bring this very profound understanding to people now such that we don't have to go through another extinction in order to evolve yet again. I know there is one stock answer, which is like, well, don't let's be so attached. It'll all just happen as it happens. But supposing we just take on board this idea of responsibility and a conscious response to what's happening. So we can say, you know, that the old paradigm is going down. I'll put it to you this way. There's only one illness in the whole world stress. There's only one way out. Relax. If I could do it with your help and everybody who's listening, if we all could just stop for one minute, the whole world. Yes. Stop. Just relax. Just breathe. And all that stress from 7 million, billion, trillion people we would be letting go of so much as the tension. When you're breathing, If you ever notice when you're breathing, you'll have tension. You'll say, oh, my God. And you'll notice you're breathing high on your chest. Or you'll suddenly say, oh, my God, I'm not breathing. Oh, my God, I'm, I'm not breathing. You're up there, paranoia. The other day I was like, and you know, I teach all this. And the other day, suddenly I was in paranoia. And I realized I was breathing in the upper part. And I suddenly realized how that does that. But if you breathe and you come into your abdomen, if you come into your belly, and you take a deep breath, you relax, and then the mind, the mind, which is a perfect servant, but a terrible master, Mm. the mind has something to grasp. The mind is very grasping, and that's why it gets us in trouble. But if it's breathing, and the mind can come through the breath, it has something to rest. When it rests, then you're more in control of your own mind, and hopefully meaning gentle, caring, because the mind is like a, a naughty child. Mm-hmm. And that's why we do yoga nidra and various practices because the tension, the stresses, the dramas of our life are in our unconscious mind. Mm-hmm. And when we can relax and go into yoga practice to just release that inattention, mm-hmm. then we can experience our true nature, which is loving, caring, kind. All the other things are really based on stress. When you hate someone and want to strangle someone, it's because you're stressed. Mm-hmm. And you see this in your mind, you can become friends to your mind. Just make friends with your own mind. Mm. May I be well. May I be peaceful. May others be well. May others be peaceful. Breathe and rest your mind on that. Mm. Develop the sense of inner kindness Mm. and goodness. We always recognize someone who's really kind. I have to share this with you. I haven't shared it with anybody but Kev. But the Mm. other day, 
I was in the supermarket called Lucky's. And as I came out, there was a person, a homeless person, and I gave them a dollar. When I came back to the Lucky's, Stephanie from Lucky's, she was at the registries, the manager. She said, I saw you giving that money to the homeless person and you were shining. Mm. And I almost cried. You don't expect to be seen when you're doing things like that. It's kind of cute and personal. That's absolutely exquisite, isn't it? That just really brings everything we're speaking of into that one singular instant, that moment. Beautiful. So I, I feel that we can practice compassion. We could be good to people. One of the funny things I say is if you ever have a situation where you're in a scene with someone and they think they're right and you think you're right, agree with them. Mm-hmm. Because it's so much easier because the one thing I notice is negativity lives long time. If you walk in a house and nine people come in and say they love you, and one person says, why do you look so angry? You're going to think of the one person and not realize nine people loved you. Mm-hmm. And one person drove you crazy by saying what they said, but you can't forget that one person. Mm-hmm. See how the mind grabs into this type of mentality. Mm-hmm. The habitual mind, our egos, have a tendency to negate the concept of meditation because meditation makes the mind ego redundant. Mm-hmm. If you're free, if you're beautiful, if you're feeling good, genuinely, your mind can't say, ah, you don't like her, do you? Mm-hmm. Oh, don't you remember she was bad to you? I mean, whatever it is that comes in the mind that isn't something that you feel like thinking, which mm-hmm. is quite often a lot. Mm-hmm. But the mind is anything. Mm-hmm. We're not the mind. Mm-hmm. The thoughts are not who we are. They're thoughts. We are the beautiful, incredible human being. That is, as a dear friend once said, radiant emptiness. We are the light. We are the truth. We're all part of that same infinite beauty. That's beautiful. It's Ananda Sagare. Ananda Sagare, the ocean of bliss. Ananda, bliss, Sagare, ocean. What I love also about what you're sharing with us is is that it really silences the mind. Just listening to this. Listening to the truth of what you're saying silences the mind. I almost feel that it's so unfair to be, I mean, it sounds strange, but it's so beautiful, this universe. Everything's so beautiful. Mm. And I want everybody to feel it. Mm. So it's overwhelming at times. It's who we are. Yes. Yes. And those tears are tears of joy. Exactly. Right now. Mm. If we all kick together, this is a time when we can't just say, let's meditate and wear a pretty pink dress or shorts or trousers. The world mm. is in a chaotic position and ignorance is rampant. Mm. And the misunderstanding of what we're doing here and greed and selfishness is rampant. Mm. And we know that the United States is in chaos and it's growing around the world. The way is that peace. Mm. Just being quiet. Mm. We should have one day and get it all around the world. One day of peace. Started at Chloe's interview with me. Let's tell the whole world the moment. Mm. Just stop. Stop the negativity. Mm. Stop the hurt. Mm. And as the Dalai Lama said, 
we could be a little kinder. Mm. It's interesting. I remember him speaking in Northern Ireland uh, when I was singing for him out there. And I remember him when he was asked, what was his first experience of coming to the West and of Westerners? One of the things he said was about experiencing the loneliness of humanity. He said the people in the West seem to be very lonely. There's a, a kind of epidemic of loneliness here. And I think that loneliness, of course, which is very different from solitude. In other words, the willingness to be present with oneself, as you're describing, erases the fear or the sense of loneliness, which is essentially separation from everything and everyone. I hear what you're telling us is that this quietness, this silence, this capacity to listen, just really awakens the whole self, doesn't it? It awakens your wholeness, your awareness of being enough. It's like an invitation to life. The tremendous humility is necessary because it's so beautiful. Right. I, mean, I was actually riding down a road a few months ago, and all of a sudden, I, I hope you can understand this, but I was just uh, riding and I was becoming so beautiful. It was like the whole car was like lighting up and I was saying, no, I'm driving. I can't do this. <laughs> it was like, no, not now. It was so funny and everything. And it, it you know, and, and, and it worked, but it was just like one minute. It was like, wow. Mm. And of course it was in control and I wasn't really threatened, but mm. it wasn't like I could get into it, you know, as mm. if to say. But it's like being in the sunshine. It's, it, it's a subtlety. It's sort of like Paramhansa Yogananda, one of the greatest yogis, certainly to come to America. Paramhansa Yogananda, marvelous being. His, his guru was in a park with um, his guru's guru, Lahiri Mahasaya. And then he found out that his guru was in the park. And he said, how come I didn't see you? He says, your meditation isn't deep enough. I was hiding behind the rays of the sun. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> you have to have a sense of humor and, and a sense of lightness like I said because we can't take ourselves seriously or else we become the center of attraction when we really realize how, how simple and ordinary and beautiful people say extraordinary the ordinary is being our true nature the extraordinary is our fears and our worries and our concerns and our idiocies Mm -hmm. that is the extra mm. so it's just getting simple with ourselves and being kind and accepting ourselves it does help to have a teacher just like you go to a university mm. you know but it, we're, we're all in the university of life as Swami Sachi Dananda says mm -hmm. this is the university of life Yeah, and, and the beauty is that we learn how to be a real grown up mm. a person who can live in this world care for others you know I mean, I don't ask that much. I want to live a simple life. Mm. I just want a little airplane, a, a nice boat, and a Maserati. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Really, what you're pointing our awareness to is the, the grace of humility. These are big 
words, aren't they? I'm remembering that incredible Rumi poem, Oh Lord, my boat is so small. How can this great love be inside me? And so we're speaking lightheartedly around concepts and an understanding that requires some serious, intense hunger, hunger to wake up, hunger to be fully oneself, right? Totally. And I mean, the thing is, we are. That's what got me into skydiving. It was sort of like I was in a situation where a relative of mine was in a very, very difficult situation and I just couldn't take it. So I needed a, I felt like jumping off of a bridge. Mm. So I jumped out of an airplane and it worked. Wow. You know, everybody says, let go, let go, let go. Especially in both where we live, everybody's letting go. Well, try to let go, but jump out of an airplane, you've let go. Right. A friend of mine has just been working with Joe Dispenza and said that there's some wonderful practices there where they send people onto high wires and stuff. And so the letting go practice is really serious. You know, you have to just walk this tightrope and fall off. <laughs> and then you fall into a field of supportive individuals. I just feel that we're all, there's 7 billion people on a planet. And it seems so dumb to think we can act, especially governmentally, like children. Mm. I mean, it's, it's like there's a certain evolution and it hasn't taken place from what I noticed with most politicians. Well, I'm not saying it's evaluating them, whether they're good or bad. What I'm saying is that it's good to be mindful so that you could even see how different personalities and situations when you're involved with people or people who are listening. Like when I was with Deb, we were in, we got married in Scotland. One of the teachers came over afterwards and said, if you two ever quarrel, now let's face it, if you're in a relationship and you never quarrel, I think it's Buddhism. They say the first time you quarrel, it ends in divorce. Mm. They say the same thing with illness. If you never get ill and you don't get little coughs or whatever, then you'll die. It's in the same category Mm. that we do things and we develop a sense of facing it, being able to be with what's going on more strongly Mm. and facing the things that happen to us without fear because fear has to do with false evidence appearing real and that's what keeps us back in the breathing so i would say the most important thing that i could say to the people that are listening is genuinely all day long constantly be aware of your breathing very gently breathing in anytime you want to get in rhythm anytime you'll notice through breathing moving your arms and It'll become so natural because, you see, the yoga techniques, everything that I learned in India, I've become. Mm. You don't meditate, you become meditation. Because just like you play piano, Mm. just like you do what you do, it becomes second nature. You could open your mouth and beautiful sound will come out. What I can do, enhance it. Let the breathing, it'll help everything you do. Breathing in and breathing out. Mm. breathing in and breathing out and even then if the mind's a little busy may I be well may I be happy 
may all things go well for me. And that will draw the mind into a peaceful place, calm place, and you'll be seeing more clearly whatever you're doing. It just becomes more natural. Ed, thank you so much for contributing to the evolution of compassion on the planet. Well, you make my heart warm and knowing you is a blessing and I'm so thrilled that we've shared so many good moments. It's a real, real joy, isn't it? It's a crazy joy, this life on earth. And I have to say one thing before you say anything. I must say that one of the wonderful things with you and me is that I can't remember when we've been together where we haven't laughed. (laughs) Very important. I'm really glad you mentioned that, actually. That is the bottom line, isn't it? That really is the bottom line. I know Ananda Maima, one of my great root teachers, one of the great luminaries of 20th century India, she she talked about laughter and she laughed like I have never heard laughter. And the holiness the Dalai Lama is the same. It's really awesome, isn't it? And Ananda Maya says you've got to laugh with your whole being, not just with your face. <laughs> Well, when, when Jeb and I were with His Holiness the Dalai Lama in his residency in India, and it was so beautiful, Chloe, it was so beautiful. And after 45 minutes, just the three of us, I said, I don't want to leave. Yeah. And he suddenly says, if we were together all the time, we would quarrel. <laughs> and I thought, oh my God, he picked up my bad side or something, until I realized that's the greatest wisdom I've ever heard. Mm. Any two human beings in this world, if they're together too much, will quarrel, even the Dalai Lama. Yeah. And how necessary, how essential, thank God for that. Because without conflict, there's no music. Without conflict, there's no song. Without melancholia, there's no gateway into longing for that which we cannot name. That's beautiful. But I, I did mention to you about when we were together... And Zeb and I are um, just married, and we're with this beautiful teacher, Buddhist teacher. Mm. And he said, if you ever have a quarrel, Zeb, you go in one direction, and Ed, you go in the other. And you say, Ed, what did I do to make Deb like that? Angry at me or something, whatever. And Deb, you look and see what you did to Ed. So normally, you know how it is, you did this to me, and you did this to me, and you have to see how you did it to the other person to make them feel that way. And it's such a help. We laugh all the time. (laughs) And the best news in that is, the best of all, was her teacher, when he said to us, I said, Rinpoche, we've been throughout India, and it's a honeymoon, and it's just so stressful, and I don't know if I could be married, even though I'm on my honeymoon. And he looked at me and he said, can't you just laugh? Oh. And from now on, from then on, we haven't stopped laughing. I love that. So, Ed, what are you up to right now? I know that there, there are new projects. There's your incredible book that's just come out on mindfulness. And uh, you were mentioning about a new project, a new initiative, is it, with Yoga Nidra? Oh, yes. Well, we just did The Unexpected Power of Mindfulness and Meditation by Hunter and Stoughton. And that's in South Africa, that's in New Zealand, it's all over Malaysia, India, Europe, and it just came out. Great. And so uh, I did another book within this, this past year, 
and it's called The Art of Mindful Relaxation, The Heart of Yoga Nidra, which is a deep, deep way of getting through this tension that lies beyond our ability. I mean, the thing about life is, did you ever see someone who's smoking a cigarette? Maybe not. As they're puffing, they're saying, I'm giving up cigarettes, I'm giving up cigarettes. But the subconscious <laughs> mind is saying, no, you're not. No, you're not. And that's your own mind taking another puff. So this is what we're dealing with. And it's learning to release the stress in the sub and the unconscious. Yoga Nidra that I'm doing right now is with Jonathan Goldman, and he's doing the music, and I'm doing the actual Yoga Nidra teaching. Fantastic. And when does that come out? Well, we're just doing it within this month. Amazing. So everyone, there are just so many gifts here to really receive and absorb and learn from. There's so much more to share. We'll come to a close now, Ed, but I just want to thank you so much on behalf of all of us. I love it, but I do want to say that too, you know, we're going through a a presidential kind of um, candidates coming forward and having debates and everything. And two candidates for president, Congressman Tim Ryan has endorsed our book and Marion Williamson running for president. Both of them are running and they both endorsed this book and they're in this book, The Unexpected Power. So it's very exciting. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, everybody go out and buy this book as fast as possible. Bless you, Ed. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you. May all beings be happy. Thank you.